What we do here is go back, 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 back. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 No's, where I get a chance to sit down with fascinating folks from all walks of life to talk to them about where they are now, how they got there, and some of the challenges they've had to overcome along the way. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. What I am known for is sort of resilience training how to train your mind to create a yes mindset from all these no's that you get. Okay. Just well, that, that is the beginning it. of our interview <laughs> right there. That's the perfect entree. So I'm, I'm here with Amy Budin and, um, Budden. Budden. <laughs> Let's start that over. I'm here with Amy Budden. Um, and, uh, yeah, you start to tell me what you do because I have like a, my own bastardized view of what you do. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I've done the research. I've talked to you a little bit, but I don't. I think it's better coming from your mouth. So okay, so I guess what I do is I help people train their brain. So my personal story is that I had about ten thousand no's, <laughs> and I really was looking for solutions how to get back into a yes mindset again when you get locked, you know, knocked down. So it's sort of resilience training. So I work with people to help them visualize and imagine the best possible outcome in a way. Because what we know is when we get clear on the vision, we start to move toward that. And simple techniques like focusing on gratitude and optimism can really change your state and change the way that you view your life. So if you're knocked down, you know, I'm really a mind coach or a brain coach. Um, I help people just sort of shift into a more positive framework. And uh, it's really possible to change, you know, prime your brain for a more positive mindset and then to start to remember that you are the creator of your life. Does yeah. that make sense? Yes. And just for people listening, um, I'll go to what my reaction, when I first met you and we talked about this, this mm-hmm. was maybe, I don't know, it was at Steve Kane's house. I think yeah, it was a long time ago. And, you know, if you're an East Coaster and you're in Los Angeles, your (laughs) first response to anything that feels holistic is usually like, what it, you know, what it, this skeptical kind of view of it and what you've done that I find interesting and probably why your practice is booming Mm -hmm. um, is that you seem to have merged the holistic kind of touchy feely side Mm -hmm. with the scientific side. And I think that it gives credence to stuff that you know to be true, but Mm -hmm. then for the skeptics out there, you could go, here's the science. Here's what doctors are saying. I was just as skeptical as you. And so what happened was I I literally had miraculous results with my daughter when she was very, very sick. So what um, was what was it that she she had an immunological condition. So I had been I guess I should give you the backstory, but I had been just to say that I understand your skepticism because I had all of that skepticism, too. And I came to this so reluctantly. By the way, I don't have it anymore. I had it. I feel like I'm less so. I feel like I've come 
to right. that side of the equation, but go on. Sorry. I just came to it so reluctantly, so I better have proof. So what really happened was I was a longtime meditator, about 15 years I've been meditating daily. And really it was just, I, there was none of the science that there is now. I just knew that I felt more rested. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then I started noticing real physiological changes. Like I didn't have anxiety the same way. I didn't have migraines the same way. My health was improving. I was more aware. I was more relaxed. How long were you doing each session or how long, how many oh minutes per day? I did the same pre-recorded recording by Brian Weiss, 20 minutes for five years. Like I'm not kidding. Wow. <laughs> Just, it wasn't like I came to this you know, seeking. It just, I was really tired. Hmm. And I had, um, you know, I, I had been an editor in the film industry and I was just burnt out and I had a small child. And then um, between my two children, I had seven, you know, seven or eight miscarriages. Oh my so gosh. that was squeezing me in another direction too. Yeah. And, um, and then when my daughter was born, um, she got very sick. So she had an immunological issue. Your younger daughter. Yes. So you had your daughter, mm -hmm. seven or eight miscarriages. Yeah. And then, then you had yeah. your other daughter and you, and she was sick. That's right. So what um, I've learned is that really sometimes with all of these hardships, we're incubating something really, really good. And I know that sounds Pollyanna, but I really believe it to be true. So as I was having my own personal hardships, I was seeking out any way to feel relief because it was created a lot of anxiety. When I would get pregnant, I would have to be in a state of calm, right? Right. And that's what I do now. I help people create comfort and calm in their body. So um, do you I focus on pregnant women yes, specifically? Yes, I do. I have a whole practice okay. for fertility. I have two. One client just gave birth after a four-year oh, journey. Oh, that's so great. And the other one is uh, 12 weeks pregnant. No so. wonder you're so <laughs> sought after right yeah. now. I mean, really, that's... I do understand the process. Yeah. So um, so anyway, I was uh, as I was going through that, I was uh, voraciously learning, and I didn't really realize it, but I was learning breathing techniques. I was studying with different spiritual teachers. I was learning about biofeedback and all different things. And it was sort of under the radar. And then when my younger daughter got very sick at about 16 months of age, I had to ramp up my practice again because she, her lungs would fill with fluid in the middle of the night very rapidly. And she couldn't breathe. And the conventional route, I went chief pulmonologist at Cedars, you know, I, you know, immunologist, all of that stuff, it wasn't working. And she was on enough steroid. I took her doses of medication to see what it felt like. She had this little tiny body. Uh -huh. She would shake and she was on a breathing apparatus. And it took a, a while to figure out what it was. And when it would happen, it would happen really suddenly. So I started meditating two hours a day. Just to deal with Just to deal so that, because I knew that if it had, first of all, I was really tired because I would often be up, you know, most of the night mm -hmm. when I, there was, when I would hear the noise of the, it would start with a cough and then all of a sudden, you know, she couldn't breathe. So I had to be extremely calm because I had to know how much medication to give her and she would react to my anxiety. Right. And if she was anxious, she would ramp up. So what happened was I essentially did 
hypnosis on her. Now, I didn't know. Without knowing you were doing it. I didn't know it at the time. It was instinct. But, you know, after I went to school, I realized it's something called a shock induction. And she went completely symptom free. And I was. After how long of doing this? I mean, well, what happened was the first night it was more I never had to give her medication. So I gave her the induction. It was basically you just affirm that her lungs are open and she's fine and you're just very firm very firm you just say it yeah i mean there's a countdown and you know i don't know how to describe it i mean i could i could show you i guess but it's just it's basically a hypnotic technique because what happens is when you get into this theta brainwave state which i can talk about a little bit more you you start to reprogram so um she was in theta and she never needed the drugs No drugs. And then the next night, the same thing. And then her healing started to amplify. So it wasn't just these techniques. It was also, you know, we were trying out a a different diet and the immunologist was starting to figure out what was going on. And but um, the techniques were so effective. And then what happened was I started to get obsessed with mind, the mind-body connection, right? So yeah. I could not get enough of anything. Then I, I wanted to know all the medical literature. Why do people go into remission? Well, one of the main things that happens when you go into remission is you have a clear belief that you're well or you can be well or you can visualize it. So I started using those techniques with her and she would imagine it was all led by her. And that's how I do it with my clients now. And she would imagine painting her lungs clear and painting herself healthy. Anyway, she's perfectly healthy. Wow. Now. You know, so. it's, it's, that is, that's so fascinating to me. And, um, it reminds me of, I've never done that, but it mm-hmm. reminds me of some things that I've done with uh, an acting coach that I work with out here, Ken mm-hmm. Gillingham. And um, she does, you know, you do private one-on-one sessions and then she also does these workshops. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is relaxation techniques, That's right. breathing, visualizing. That's right. And you, and she has, uh, you know, we could talk about the the audio file that you sent me prior to the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got that spacey sound mm-hmm. to it. And she had something similar mm-hmm. that really did enhance the trip you would go on in your right. mind because you felt like, you know, it would be that you're floating yeah. and, you know, imagine that you're filling up with, you know, what color is it? And, and, and well, so I can relate to this. Your body thinks it's real. So, you know, they did, they've done many studies, one of which is they had weightlifters imagining lifting weights, just imagining it. They weren't lifting weights and they got 35% more results. So I just sort of- Really? Oh yeah. And I mean, well, Phil Jackson knew it, Mm -hmm. right? And then he, I think he was the one, I'm not positive about this, but there was a control group and there was, you know, the basketball team who visualized and imagined, and then the basketball team that actually- practiced and then the other one that you know it was the same basketball team but they did nothing. Yeah. And they found that the visualizing and imagining was as effective as the practicing. Cuz that's really what you're doing you're rehearsing. Yeah. So if you say for my client who has a fertility issue, you know, if she's been told so many times she can't have a baby, she starts to believe it. What happens when she 
she starts to believe that she can and that her body can do this. What what happens when she directs her attention to activating maybe her hormonal balance or just minimizing the stress? Because when you when you um, meditate, you shrink the amygdala. That's the fight flight response in your body. So when you have fight flight, you have all this cortisol, all these you know this cascade of chemicals that's telling your body, no, things are not okay right now. But with the techniques that I teach people, I teach them how to generate their own neurochemical cascade, dopamine, serotonin, all of those things, the feel good chemicals by what they visualize and imagine. And you get to the point where, like I say, like, okay, well, you're a mental ninja where they can use the technique and just drop in. They can go from you know, being really, really anxious to imagining they're on a beach and, and their body believes they're, on, that a they're beach. on a beach. This is great. Any actors listening. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking what uh, a great tool pre audition. Oh my gosh. Or pre, you know, with. when you're doing uh, a show, um, you know, I, I teach a little as well. And I was, I was telling the students, um, we were doing kind of like relaxation, mm-hmm. warm up exercises. And I had another friend in there teaching with me and he said, he doesn't really do that. And I said, that's fine. It's different mm-hmm. for all of us. But my thought is I'm going to give these students a tool. Mm-hmm. They may not need it on every audition, but it's not going to hurt. And I said, when you're doing theater, particularly, I don't care who you are. When you have a thousand people out there mm-hmm. and you're backstage and they're going five minutes till curtain, I mean, I I've never not had that bum 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 bum. And you know, you think of relaxation techniques or uh, visualizing. How great would that be to just put people into uh, kind of a calm, confident? place. Well, something interesting too with actors, I teach them an energetic component. So I was really shy to roll this out like energy. It sounds so wooey until I met HeartMath Institute, which substantiates exactly what's happening. So you know, those people that have charisma where you just want to be around them and they just have that light. Well, I teach a lot of the actors that I work with how to generate this charisma. It's real. So Here's the thing. You have neurons in your heart. And this is how you create that neurochemical cascade, too. You have neurons in your heart that are connected to the neurons in your brain. And when you focus on love or gratitude, you start to emit a frequency. It's real. Yeah. So you know how when you're standing next to someone and they really love you and you're just you just feel so warm. Yeah, that's because it's an electromagnetic frequency. It's, it's literally happening. Literally it's not just ha- a, it's not no. just a yeah. It's really happening, and the energy from your heart is four thousand times more powerful than the energy from your brain. So we do exercises where I have people turn it on, and I mean hilarious stories like a single client of mine got four four phone um, phone phone numbers in one day like she was like i just got someone gave me their phone number and whole foods and it's this sounds like like a jim carrey movie yeah (laughs) i know and 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 same with actors they'll say oh my gosh i just booked that commercial because what it is is they'll go in and with in front of the acting or acting casting director yeah excuse me um they're broadcasting that frequency so I, i have them actually do an exercise called active love where you actually send out this feeling of love and people are like, wow, what, what is it about this person? Yeah. They can't put their finger on it, but they, they feel something. Yeah. Hmm. So it's real. 
I, I feel real. like I feel like um, I don't know if I've known it was scientific, but mm-hmm. through trial and error, I would say um, it seems as though sometimes it's random. You get a job or you don't get a job. Mm-hmm. It's complete dumb luck, you know. Um, but there are a lot of times where I feel like when I've been kind of in that flow is when flow. I'm, is when I'm, mm-hmm. uh, I'm kind of but just more relaxed about everything. And mm-hmm. I feel like here's what I would basically do with the role. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know you might need someone taller, shorter, mm-hmm. fatter, skinnier. I have no idea. This is what I'm going to do. And I kind of, you know, I'm not uptight about it. Mm-hmm. I don't want the job so badly. I'm just going, this is an experience. It seems like those seem to have better success rates. Yes. And, and it's probably to do with what you're talking about. That and also when you're in a flow state. So if you... Which I, I read right. only the beginning of the uh, Rise to Super, Rise of oh, Superman. Yes. yes. Yeah, By which was... Stephen Kotler. Really, really mm-hmm. uh, uh, kind of unbelievable talking about these extreme athletes and Mm -hmm. how they've gotten in the flow state. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially what you're doing when you prime your, yourself for flow. So if you're relaxed, you're kind of dropping into like a slight trance really when you're relaxed like that. And then it's a flow state. So you're changing your brainwave state. And what I liked about it was how they they said these extreme athletes, Mm -hmm. you know, in keeping with the theme of 10,000 no's and, Mm -hmm. you know, failure in quotes, um, that they describe it that these extreme athletes are making these huge leaps for human possibility because they are in such an extreme situation that there's no margin for error. error. So if they fail... They might die. die. They might be mm-hmm. really injured. And and it kind of, I think, supports that theory that you sometimes have to jump without a net exactly. and, and w- be willing to fall flat on your face yes. in order to make gains. You yeah. can't kind of approach life too safely or you're, you, if you're playing to not lose – Mm-hmm. that's different than playing to win. Mm-hmm. And that's that. That's what came to me as I read it. Because I've never really been an extreme sport guy, but I read that and I was like, wow. It just gave me a whole new lens to, to look at what these athletes do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't it true that you, you know, if you've been, if you have a lot of no's to move into a yes, you have to move into motion. So in other words, from stuck to motion, so your point, you know, you just have to do it. Yeah. You have to be in motion. You just have to do it. And that's yeah. something that I help my clients bridge to just doing one small thing a day. And then yeah. when they look back in six months, they've changed the way they think. They've changed the way they feel. Yeah. That's something and, and I think is important for people to to hear that as well. I absolutely have found myself, I'm a thinker and I'm mm-hmm. an analyzer and Sometimes that can be an asset. Mm-hmm. Um, it could protect me. It could help me see things from other perspectives. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times it it will either prevent me from doing something mm-hmm. or slow me down immensely because yes. I am just analyzing yes. and I'm not getting off my ass and going and doing it. Mm-hmm. And then 
failing, you know, I told mm-hmm. you prior to this interview, I've gone back and listened to my interviews <laughs> and I cringe. <laughs> But yeah, it is what it is. I mean, hopefully a hundred more interviews, I'll go back to the first one and go, wow, I don't do that anymore. And yeah, so. So one thing I do with my clients so that they can feel more comfortable reframing failure as learning, right? And so it's really just observing and not absorbing and seeing sort of just taking that detached awareness and mm-hmm. taking a look at the whole situation like you would, like you had a lab, you know, they, I haven't put a, on a lab coat and, um, and just see it more as an incubation period, and yeah. a gathering of information. Well, what's interesting, um, you know, we talked about the skepticism and I think I personally know a lot of people who would hear everything you've said and go, oh, come on. That's like, you, you've been in LA too long. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, that kind of reaction. I and love yet, working with these people. <laughs> well, and, and yet, <laughs> but, but this is what I'm finding interesting as I'm, as I'm hearing you. Um, we do it, anybody who's played sports, this yeah. is what we do. Yeah. We, we train, mm-hmm. we practice, we, if it was, you know, acting, you'd call it rehearsal, mm-hmm. but if it's sports, you'd call it practice. You fail which is you get beat by a team, mm-hmm. you strategize, That's your right. coaches go in and they do, they look at films of the next opponent mm-hmm. and you pivot to prepare for them. Mm-hmm. As a team and as an individual player, you look at your strengths and your weaknesses and you move on. Mm-hmm. And yet when you hear it just in life, people go, oh no, that's bullshit. And and I I think it's not, it's... Well, it's more than cultivating a positive mindset. Do you ever notice that people who are really, really successful sort of have a bit of delusion? That's kind of what you need to cultivate yeah. so that I really am coaching people to be to really see this as happening, as if it's happening right now. And then it starts to really happen. But we know that, I mean, Steve Jobs wouldn't have been Steve Jobs without, you know, he was very clear on his vision. Yeah, you have to, it's almost you like you to have be. to be a little insane exactly. for a while until your until your the reality catches up to the vision in your mind yeah. and then people go oh he was a visionary yeah. but before he was a visionary whoever that might have been he or she they were a little bit insane because right. they were saying things that have not yet been proven right yeah right or they were just successful because they were so clear on their vision too yeah that's the other thing yeah Sorry about the uh, That's right. helicopter. That's right. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that's really interesting. Um, so let, let's, I, I love hearing all about what you do and we can talk more about it or, or I'll have you back and we'll talk more about it. I also want to ask you, um, you mentioned briefly that you were a film editor. Mm-hmm. And so you had this whole other career, like this whole other life. And I'm kind of fascinated with people's, you know, origin story. That's what this whole thing is about. Yeah. How they got. So now this is what you do present day. Mm-hmm. But you came from, you know, what did you go to film school? Yeah, I did. And then I moved here from Canada um, with $200 in my pocket and didn't know anybody and oh man ended up working for Adam Sandler for a long time had a 
it was a wonderful experience. Good guy to work for. Oh, yeah, yeah. he's incredible. And I played basketball with him. Uh, he would come to this game, and he was just such a uh, – I don't know him well, but – uh, he best. would come and he was yeah. so, I always say, if you were an alien who came from down from outer space and watched this game, <laughs> you would not know who the famous guy was yeah, because he was so uh, just a man of the people, you know, really. Yeah. Great guy. He really good guy. And so I had the pleasure of uh, laughing really hard for a really long time, but <laughs> <laughs> I was really tired when I left because um, I'd worked really hard. And, and I'd left to have a family, so well, what meditation was it? came into it. But but all of the things that I learned, see, the thing is with with the Hollywood film industry, there's no room really for mediocrity. And I'm not saying that I'm the top of my game or anything, but it just gave me a new metric for what to expect of myself. So I, it really gave me a Working new, in that world. Yeah. So really, now when you take it to your current business, you are on I'm it. I'm ready. Yeah. yeah. And um, also technically, I mean, I was a film editor, so now I'm using all kinds of frequency. I'm using frequency in the meditations and... So, and yeah, I create these custom tracks. I was going to ask and, about yeah. that because I yeah. saw on your website that you create these custom tracks that yeah. I that I got to listen to and really yeah. enjoyed. And I was thinking, how does she know how to do that? Is she a musician? But it's, yeah, you're an editor. Yeah. So um, it just all hmm. came together. I mean, so, so what was it, sorry to interrupt, mm-hmm. but what was it that made you want to be an editor originally? What was it specifically to be an editor or to be a filmmaker in like a director well, or was it? It's interesting. I mean, I just wanted a marketable skill and I thought I would be good at it. But really, uh, it's part and parcel to what I do now because I have an ability to put the pieces together. So in editing, of course, I was facilitating someone else's vision, either the director or Adam, whoever I was working with. And I could very easily, you know, put those pieces together. And it's sort of what I do now yeah. is I empty, I empty myself of myself completely. This is my aim. Yeah. And then I begin to listen very deeply to whoever is across from me so that I'm experiencing what they're experiencing with my journey on my shoulders. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So whatever wisdom I've picked up along the way. And so I really think I did that as a film editor too. I just didn't know that. Yeah. I was you're helping gaining, people tell yeah. their story. That's right. Yeah. Which is. And, and clarify the vision of whatever it is. Yeah. So putting puzzle pieces together. It's, it's so one of the joys of doing these interviews is to hear people like yourself, how you uh, describe what you do and, and, and how, what your worldview is. Mm. And, and I've never really, I mean, I'm in this business of storytelling and I've never quite thought of an editor the way you just particularly put it. Mm -hmm. Really interesting. Yeah. I like to take myself out of the equation as much as possible and, and just be the tour guide with my clients too. And yet you are bringing yourself and all of your experiences, but you're kind of in in a way taking a backseat to their journey for that period of time. Yes. And, and then kind of from the back going like, okay, turn here. And uh, maybe you want to avoid that rock over there. Yes. Because when you are in a deep state of relaxation or meditation, you begin to tap into the answers. So, um, 
Yeah, one of one of the exercises that I do is how do you how do you feel what feels like yes in your body? So can I do this with you really quickly? Uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> I'm like a little scared. So yeah. It's really, I'm not going to hypnotize you. You won't be barking like a dog. I promise. <laughs> um, so you can shut your eyes or keep your eyes open, Okay. but, um, and anyone else can do this alongside and it's going to give you a sense of what you say to yourself creates a feeling in your body. So just repeat the word. No, 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 no. 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 So how comfortable is that, Matt? Mm. Keep saying no. 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 Okay, so what does that feel like? No. Constricted. Maybe a little yeah. constricted. Stuck, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so no is I can't, I won't, I shouldn't, I can't do this, I'm not good enough, right? So... Start saying the word yes and feel what it feels like. Like I'm sensing that you have in your solar plexus, it's really tight when you say no, right? Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. here. Yeah. 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 So when you say yes, you could shift that sort of anxiety into certainty. It'll, you'll start to probably feel it in your chest. So start saying yes to yourself. Yes. Okay. Now just say to my, just to myself. Yep. Yes. Yes. Okay, now see if you can feel the feeling of yes in your body. Keep going. Say yes. 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 Okay, so is that stuck feeling dissipating just by saying yes to yourself? What do you feel? Yeah, I feel more... um, Expansive? Expansive, yeah, Yeah. that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. So that's a small thing, but think of all the shit we say to ourselves on a daily basis. That's a small exercise. And then you can move that into, yes, yes. What do I want to say yes to? What does yes feel like? So if you're, if you're faced with a decision, you have a really clear sense memory of what it feels like in your body. What's yes and what's no? Or what's heavy? What's light? Right. Very, very simple things to move through your day. And it starts to make a real difference. And it doesn't feel overly cumbersome. So in other words, you know, those small changes, small steps. Yeah. Made. Momentum. Yeah. By the way, I keep hearing like a crow outside. Me too. <laughs> I'm like, is, is he crowing? No, no, no. Or yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, that is um, is is also interesting to me. The, the way that uh, we speak to ourselves, mm-hmm. and then and then the way we speak to others, mm-hmm. the way we speak to others about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And you talk about being an editor. We choose. We should. I think a lot of us are on a default that we don't realize how we're speaking to the world oh, or to ourselves. Right. And when you start to think about it, and I've been, I'm, I've never been a meditator. Yeah. Uh, I had tried it a couple times and I, I like can't even sit Indian style. My hips mm-hmm. just don't go that way. And then I finally found this uh, Headspace mm-hmm. app, which I've been loving for like the last month and a half. And it's, this is so dumb, but it, he, he says, you know, uh, don't worry about sitting anyway, just yeah. sit on a chair. And I was like, huh, well, that's mm-hmm. a lot easier. And I started doing it. And what I've found is there is more, as a result of it, there's more space between when somebody does something or says something. That's right. 
instead of me just being reactive. That's right. You're actually building that part of your brain. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm making, hopefully, you know, with varying degrees of success, um, hopefully making a choice of how I'm going to respond as opposed to just, you know, in in the past more, it's someone gets you frustrated or angry and you just, boom, you, you, you know, and I mean, it's really, think about it with kids because there's always something going on and it's hard not to be reactive. Yeah. So it's been, it's actually been really, uh, the first time for me that I've gone, huh, okay, I could do it. And it's only, it's like 10 minutes a day with his voice. And he happens to have, I think like a pretty soothing voice. And he's got that. I don't know if you've heard him, this guy, Andy, who, Oh yeah, he's great. So it's like, yeah. So he's got this cool accent and Mm -hmm. it's just like, it's easy for me, whatever reason I kind of vibe with it so that I'm like, okay, this is, I could do this. And so, you know, right now it's, it's going and I don't have intention to stop, but you know. Well, come to me for custom meditation, see what happens. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I won't go back to Headspace. (laughs) Well, it's good to use whatever. Yeah. That's my feeling is like, it's, it's so for me right now, it's like any entree into it Mm -hmm. is, is better than nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you talk about being stuck and then making a move. For me, it's like, that's a step in the direction. That's right. And the way they've set up the app, it's so user-friendly mm-hmm. that, you know, it kind of just, uh, it kind of just has worked mm-hmm. so far. So that's yeah. exactly so how don't, to do it. So don't spoil it for me. I yeah. don't know if I should go to this. Uh, <laughs> no, no, whatever is working. I mean, if it's working. No, for I'll go to you and I'll be like, it. huh, Headspace isn't really doing it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, sure can I get can I get one of those frequency uh, things? <laughs> um, so okay, so uh, you um, you talked about going from being an editor, mm-hmm. uh, and th- so did so did you stop prior to having kids? Did you stop? I did, you just, did just before I had kids. Yeah. So that was a decision. Like mm-hmm. I'm done. Did you I mean, know you were done? No, I would have liked to have gone back, but I was one of the few female editors at the time. And it, you know what it's like. I mean, there's no part-time yeah. editing. Yeah. And I, you decided you wanted to have kids. I and, did. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I stepped away at that point. Yeah. And without thinking, this is it, just thinking, I'm going to take a little break. Yeah. And then I realized there's no going back, really. I mean. Yeah. No, no. um, So when you, when you um, were in it as an editor, could you ever imagine not being an editor? I had a moment. I mean, I could never have written this chapter. I would have been like, that's hilarious. You're a what? You're a hypnotherapist and you like train people's brains, whatever. You know, I would have, (laughs) that's just freaky and weird. Yeah. And I actually had a moment where I was teaching a class and there was, I'll just say, a celebrity from my childhood. I'm from Toronto, Canada. And I'm sitting in lotus position at a meditation studio to a packed class. And I'm like, this is hilarious. Like, I never could have written this in a million years. This person that when you were a kid, you thought, I oh, was my amazing. God. And I- <laughs> Like they were, they were older than you. They were an adult when you were a kid and now here they were learning from you. But it just was so funny to me that I was a meditation teacher in Los Angeles, right? It's like I could never have, and I fought, of course I fought this kicking and screaming. I mean, I was, had real concern about, you know, looking 
like a charlatan or, yeah. you know, I really wanted to get the science behind well, it. Well, that's what's cool is like, you're, it's almost like your um, skepticism in, in yourself, you know, yeah. uh, is what forced you to bolster your your practice against skeptics like you well, in a way it, so it you really could defend did it because I, I i really came to it so reluctantly it's it's really you know not something you know i just wanted to live a quiet life <laughs> yeah. and now you're and, but the pull was so great by the way just so when she says live a quiet life she was telling me prior to the interview it's she's so booked that she can't even um she can't even get to all the people that are that are coming to her right now. Your your business has just kind of yeah. exploded. Yeah. Yeah, I've been really lucky. And actually it's always been busy from the moment I sort of hung my shingle and I just and you know, I just kept showing up. I just okay. Oh great. Awesome. Okay, let's yeah. do this. And but I have a real growth mindset, so I continue to learn and Yeah. And also um you know, from my experience, my own personal journey with different spiritual healers and mentors. And I have a very solid sense of integrity because in, you know, I just, I keep things fairly clinical and scientific and yeah. there's a real formula to what I do and it's all neuroscience backed and yeah, yeah, I have a lot of training. So. Yeah. So it's not, um, it doesn't become Kind of I'm not going to wave guru, a dream guru-ish in a way that yeah it's oh, not no. it's <laughs> I'm very uncomfortable. It's more <laughs> it's more it's more scientific. People come there, they yeah. show up like they're going. I mean, would you almost describe it as it's like people it's training like, as if they're going it's to like the gym? Training, it's like brain training. Yeah. So you know, I coach them. Where do you do it? Where you do it? Just in my home office. Yeah. So I have um, a chair. So I work with three types of frequency. Um, I've been very fortunate to work with someone named Don Estes, um, who has been studying sound frequency for a very long time. And what they're finding is there's frequencies that can actually heal the cells in the body. This is scientifically proven and, um, and can actually relax you. So there's a frequency that goes through the chair to move into your body. And then there's frequency in the headset. So the, it just sounds like meditation music, but it's to facilitate a theta brainwave state. So we're in- Yeah, can you describe that sure. to me? Because you've described this before and I'm not sure that I grasp it. Okay, so theta. So have you ever missed a freeway exit? Where yeah. you just kind of- Yeah, where you do, yeah. Or um, that sort of twilight, just as you're about to fall asleep, you know, sort of drifty floaty. Mm -hmm. That's theta. And theta is a very suggestible state. So theta is kind of this magic place where you can get inspiration in your mind. Um, and it's very relaxing. It's very restorative. So when you're in theta, 20 minutes of theta is equivalent to three hours of REM sleep, reduces inflammation in your body. It decreases and that's depression. what the goggles do the goggles uh, the goggles are something else oh, okay. so, but, so that's what the music does okay. the meditation music so we basically you know i ask my client all these questions like how do you want to feel what do you want to bring into your life um how what would you like to believe about yourself so essentially those 20 minutes that you're in theta you reprogram so you start to believe the things that you're hearing huh. 
So the best was I had a client who said she was on a date and she heard my voice say, you're so beautiful. And she, <laughs> in her head, she, you know, felt beautiful in that moment. And she felt this real shift. So, um, so have you seen extreme results? Extreme results. I had one client. Um, I want I'm very, I'm very careful about confidentiality. Um, yeah, don't like, talk about it if you don't, but no, but, just, um, I have a client who's a very successful businessman and he, um, basically found that after 180 something days of meditation, he's completely, he's like quadrupled his business because he took to the brain training yeah. The same way, you know, he's an Ivy League grad. He 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 wrote out a diagram of how we were going to what the formula was for him. And I, I give him his all his sessions are exactly 17 minutes. I mean, he's got it down. He's remarkable. So so huh. the reason why he's so successful is because he took the same thing. Yeah, approach to brain training. And he's he took no prisoners. So what basically happened was he tapped into that theta brainwave state where he could hack into flow. So he could hack into flow every single day. And not only was he less reactive, he was getting inspiration. He was clearer. He, you know, his wife loves it. I mean, he's yeah. he's happier. And these are all the things that we know now from the MRI scans that these are the ways that meditation changes the brain. But what happens when you use meditation, which I like to do um, with a therapeutic, you know, or a therapeutic possibility or intention or a very specific intention of reprogramming, what happens? Amazing, amazing things happen. Yeah. You know, people, people change their physiology. They, you know, there's been remissions. There's been miracle babies. Cancer there's remissions. Been, um, or, or other, other ones. Yeah. Yeah. So like, like autoimmune, uh, diseases. Yep. Yep. And, uh, it's just, it's just remarkable. And often, you know, I don't know if it's the meditation or all the different things that they try, but I really believe that the fact that they can create that comfort and calm, no matter what happens, if their disease progresses, it's, it's a huge benefit to them. Yeah. And also they, you know, the science is also there reducing inflammation in the body, which is huge and boosting the immune system. Yeah. So a lot of the, the studies out of John Hopkins University, well, the hospital actually, show that when people have chronic illness like AIDS or cancer, they don't necessarily go into remission because of meditation, but they go into sort of like a homeostasis. And also what they find with DNA is that the telomeres um, aren't shrinking at the same rate when you meditate. It's it's neurogenerative, in other words. Huh. You should listen to, uh, it's not out yet, but I interviewed someone, this guy, Rob Whitaker, in mm -hmm. New York last week. Mm -hmm. And um, he was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer mm -hmm. in 2013. And his... <clears throat> I'm not sure that I, he never spoke about meditation, but his mm -hmm. mindset. That's right. Was so, and he's, so he's really funny. Mm -hmm. He's really irreverent about his cancer. Mm -hmm. And he made a decision that he's going to live his life to the fullest. And I tell you, I mean, this guy is vibrant mm -hmm. and, and I was just so impressed. And he read the, the way I got to him was my sister-in-law uh, just read 
this email that he sends out to friends and family. That's kind of like his, he calls it Rob's C note, mm-hmm. um, Rob's C notes. And, uh, it's just like every once in a while, he's like, here's what I'm, here's what's happening with me. For those of you who are asking, and it's really funny. Mm-hmm. And I heard it and I was like, this guy is hysterical yeah, and amazing. I want to talk to him. And the interview was like, you, you would love it. It's right up your alley because it's, he is like a, uh, I think a real world example of how the mindset mm-hmm. can affect the outcome. Yes. I don't know that he, he's more like trial and error. He got there. Yeah. I don't think it's as scientific as you, but I mean, he blew me away. Really, really cool. Yeah, it really is everything. Cause we have, we always have a choice about how we're going to react. And, and, you know, my mentor, Cheryl O'Neill, who's been incredible. She would always say there's the path of the victim or that there's the path of the valiant. There's the path of no, or there's a path of yes, right? Yeah. He's taking the yes path. Like, yes, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to laugh. I'm going to enjoy this. That's the valiant path. So, mm. I mean, we always have these choices, don't we? Well, th- that leads me to asking you, uh, you know, and we won't go into it in in detail, mm-hmm. but uh, you, I don't know how recently, but went through a divorce, mm-hmm. which you've described to me as being very, uh, you know, obviously a very difficult yeah. thing to go through. Yeah. We were together since we were 19. It was, ter- it was just so sad. Yeah. But, yeah. And, and, and yeah, sorry, go on. Well, just, um, really how do you choose to deal with it? So, um, it, so I chose to learn as much as I could about building a healthy relationship which that's, you know, the resilience training. And then um, some of the techniques that I use with my clients now with grief, I learned that firsthand. So I had to understand that feelings need to flow through you. That was really scary for me. But with that emotional resilience, we have clarity of thought and we have resilience, physical resilience. So that was something that I learned from the end of my marriage. Yeah. Um, that when you, and then, then of course, because this is how I approach things, I wanted to understand that. So I wanted to know, well, what is this when I'm learning how to ride this feeling like a wave? So when I was in the final years of my marriage, I was keeping everything so tight, right? Cause I wanted to keep it together. Mm-hmm. And, um, and how many people out there listening to this relate to that and feel like you are just trying to keep it together. Yeah. So many people. Right. Yeah. And, um, then when the marriage ended, I was like, Oh, grief. I mean, I've never had grief like this before. And I, I started, luckily I had my mentor, but I started to learn how to let that feeling just flow through you and know that. And it was my meditation practice too, that it doesn't, it's not forever. It's going to be it's okay. Gonna, it's going to be okay. And and personal experience with my mentor, she was the one who was reprogramming me to believe that it was going to be okay. And it was everything. So, you know, how do we build resilience? She, she helped me stay in that yes mindset. Yeah. That this is a speed bump that I know it. It really, but really though, what happened and with all these no's, cause the end of a 20 year marriage was a big fat no, yeah. it was everything that I knew my identity. It felt like everything fell apart. Um, 
But what the gift of all the no's was, was that I only had the bandwidth for what was important. It's all, and, and I see that with my clients who are really, really sick. Like, what's important? What do you want to say yes to? Yeah. And so that was the gift. And, you know, of course, I got a thyroid issue and I was like, you know, really tired. And, but I just, it just, I had to focus again and just focus on what was important and what I wanted to say yes to and, and how do I show up for my kids and myself and what's important. So it was an incredible gift. It clarified you. It yeah. did. And it sort of reset me in a way because I learned emotional resilience and emotional fluidity. So, the, and which makes me stronger and I think happier. Yeah. And which I try you know, and parlay into my practice, which is, okay, we're going to go into, you know, there's basically three ways to build resilience. The first is let's go into the negative feeling, like, and really feel it or ask it what it wants you to know and see if it can move through you. Because often if you're so scared of it, you don't want to go into that anxiety. That's one way to build resilience. The other is then if they're in grief or transition or fear, to focus on gratitude. Okay, what's working right now? So on the days where I just was crying or just so sad, when I remembered what I was grateful for, and of course all the science says this, right? Grateful people are happier people. Um, it just, everything was okay because I remembered what was really important. And then the third thing was just to do it. So, um, so I had just an ability to show up for my children, of course, and for my clients, everything, it was just, you know, I was not compromised in any way, but then, you know, I might have a big snotty cry at 10 o'clock at night, or I'd be walking the beach like Forrest Gump, like maybe, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. on a Saturday. So... Yeah, we, so resilient. Know, it's so a, strong. It's an amazing story, <laughs> and um, thank you for sharing it. And You're welcome. And I, I heard uh, last fall, um, Tony Robbins mm -hmm. said this this thing: the disease is the cure. It is. And his point was, whatever we have, mm -hmm. it's it, you know it can manifest itself in our body or mm -hmm. in a relationship or our career, mm -hmm. whatever, it's kind of going like, hey, you're forgetting about me. You didn't, you know, mm -hmm. you need to pay attention to this. And if you lean into that, which it sounds like is what you did. I mean, in a way, your whole, your whole life story, it seems like you've been really brave to kind of lean into all yeah. of the difficult times. And it's, made you who you are today and and I'm I'm guessing has made your practice what it is today because it sounds like you know you had a, a problem you know with Addie's health mm -hmm. that made you go to meditation mm -hmm. to solve it yeah. and then you go through uh, a divorce that made you figure out well what what matters in relationships yeah and that's what you teach your clients yes it's really uh it's it's extremely inspiring. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And because um, I believe so strongly in the tools, you know, I am 
I have been rewired from this process and I really have trained my brain and it's changed my physiology, all those things. And it's so gratifying to be able to teach people the tools that I believe so strongly in and then see them build this resilience and, you know, remember that they're the creator of their life and that they can, they have the choices to be able to feel better. So it's incredible. Well, I'm, I think that's a, perfect i could talk about this you know all week but uh, i think that's a perfect place for us to end and before we go uh just tell people where they could find you sure and so if anyone's listening to this they can go seek you out yes at connectthemind.com or connect the mind on instagram um, if you want to send me an email, though, I'm happy to jumpstart your practice at connectthemind at gmail.com. I'll send you a five-minute recording of coherence technique. That's a really quick technique where you can activate those neurons in the heart, connect them to the neurons in your brain, and create that neurochemical cascade. So it's basically a gratitude practice. It's really easy, and there's frequency on it, too. So Great. contact Thank- me. Thank you. And so anybody, you know, take Amy up on this. Uh, I feel like I'm going to. It's uh, <laughs> it sounds incredible to me. So thank you. Thank you for coming here today and sharing all this is really. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. <laughs>